Welcome to the Parkway Life Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. But today, 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 we're talking about feeling mad, feeling mad. And so we're going to talk about, in my feels, that emotion that comes from us that is called anger. And I know none of you deal with that, but this is for all the people that do, though, so you can go help them. So with depression and anxiety, uh, things that, those are all feelings and stuff that we feel. But with depression and anxiety, um, you typically know if it's bothering you. You typically, hey, I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with anxiety. You kind of know if it's bothering you. But anger is one of those things everyone else around knows before you do. Sometimes everybody else knows that you're dealing with an anger issue before you do. And so hopefully this kind of brings some of that to light and helps you learn how to deal with some of that. And, and it's an emotion. It's an emotion. There's nothing wrong with it. You'll hear that today. But it's an emotion that we want to make sure is in the right sp- spot. So did y'all hear about the elderly couple? The elderly couple had been married, obviously, for a long, long, long time. And they were talking one evening about their many fights over the years and little times of contention where they had it. And so they were just chatting about this, and, 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 and she said, you know, she had this moment of honesty. She said, honey, I want you to say something. I'm so sorry I have blown up so many times uh, to you over the years. I mean, it's just over and over I've just blown up, and how do you manage to stay so calm when I blow up? And to which the husband replied, he said, oh, he, so it's, it's easy. He said, after you blow up at me, he said, I just go clean the toilet. And she said, that, that really helps you? He said, oh, yeah. He said, because I'm using your toothbrush. <laughs> That's good stuff right there. Now, some of y'all just got some ideas. And now we're going to deal with the anger so you don't use. So what I'm trying to say is there's bad ways and there's good ways you, we can use anger. There's bad, there's good. We want to obviously kind of help you today with this. So I don't know anyone who doesn't look back on their life and wish there were some things that you wouldn't have said, wouldn't have done, some moves you wish you wouldn't have made in your life. Amen. And, and there's, some, there's some emails that you go, man, I wish I wouldn't have sent that. I have, I have those. I have some responses that I've made that I think, ah, wish I wouldn't have done that. Or, or, or maybe you were sending something to someone and you hit all. And you're like, oh, my goodness. Boy, I wish I wouldn't have done that. So I have kind of one of those funny moments where if somebody really knew what this happened right here, they would, they would, they would like to. They would be feeling it too, but they don't know who they are. And that is, we had, a, we had a number of years ago, back when you had answering machines, y'all remember it was back in the arc ages with the dinosaurs, and you walked into your house because you didn't have a cell phone, and so you walked into your house to hear what you missed or who's, 
after you or who's coming needing your attention on something. So, so you step that you, you was always kind of most of the time kind of excited to go out, walk in. First thing you did, hit the little button and and hear you know what what you missed. And and so I did that one day, and my wife and I walked in the house, hit the button, and somebody said, "Hey, pastor, uh, just trying to get a hold of you. I needed to talk to you." And yada yada. And they they went on there for a little while, and and uh, then they they thought they hung up. Oh, it was awesome. Because then they stepped away, and the phone was still active. Y'all getting the picture? And they left it active, and so he starts talking to his wife, and he starts saying, them blankety-blank pastors, you can't get a hold of them. I can't. And, and boy, he just was cussing. And, he, and I want to tell y'all, I know, I know that y'all are going, man, that was really bad. It was one of the funniest times I like called my dad and I said, Dad, you have got to hear this message. This is awesome. And, uh, and I still wish I had that message. It was awesome. But uh, it brought a lot of joy to my life. But it was one of those moments, it was one of those moments if they knew who that was, and all of y'all right now going, did I ever call him and do this right now? So, uh, but it's in those moments where and if you, you just wish you could take some things back. And uh, some of you have maybe lost a job because some anger you just really couldn't hold on to. Or maybe you even, maybe you went to, to jail. You went to jail because of an inability to control anger. Maybe lost a marriage. Or, I mean, there's so many things. And by the way, don't make the mistake of thinking that if you're not a person that, that is prone to having violent outbursts in your life, that, oh, well, then, then I don't, I'm not dealing with anger or an issue. I don't have an issue there. Some are more aggressive, yes. Some are more aggressive where they have those outbursts of anger, but then there are those others that are more passive with their anger. They're more passive with their approach to anger, and someone makes you mad, and it happens like this, and you, and you give them the silent treatment or the cold shoulder that's a, that's a form of anger. You, you punish them by removing the blessing of your presence from them as if you were God and, and, and simply turning your face away is punishment enough. Or maybe you start nursing a bitterness in your life and you nurse that and it starts coming out as sarcasm towards them or turns into avoidance. And then it turns into where you're literally just anger and almost a hate towards them. And it, you start having these anger feelings come out. And, and, and there's a list of statements that we make sometimes that kind of can show us maybe that we are dealing with anger we don't even really probably realize it. And remember, anger's not all bad. And we'll talk about that. Remember, it's, it's emotion. But, but there's statements that we use sometimes that can kind of show you Nah, you're kind of maybe nursing a little bit of anger. Let me give you some of those statements. I'm not angry, I'm just frustrated. I told y'all to social distance before I started. I warned you. Why can't I have a bad day without it being a big deal? You're being too sensitive. I'm sick of being the only one who ever says, I'm sorry. 
Sorry to unload on you, but I just needed to vent. Little things, just nursing a little anger. And so chances are, if you've made any of those kind of statements, you're dealing, I'm not saying you're, you know, you need to go to anger management. That's not what I'm saying. But you're nursing maybe a degree of anger. And again, it's all in us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go to the Word of God. We're a Word church. And so we're going to go in the Word of God and, and, and talk about this in my feels, feeling mad, from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 32. And this set of scriptures is incredible that Paul lays out to talk to us and help us deal with this motion in our feels. Number one, it was we're going to talk about first from verse 26 is a confusing command. It is a command that all of us are going like, whoa, I don't understand that one. I don't understand that. Con- that's a confusing command. And especially the Christians, we're like, what? I don't, I don't understand that one. But the first thing he says is be angry and do not sin. But the first part of that, and we've got it uh, surrounded there for you in that verse, be angry. That's the first thing we see is be angry. Be angry. Like what? He's talking to the church. Be angry. You're like, oh, there we go. That's my license right there. Be angry. Be angry. Be angry. But then he says, but sin not. So the, the Bible taught you that, that anger is a necessary part of love. Anger is a necessary part of love. Now, I want you to listen to this statement, and it's on the screen for you, but it's a huge statement that I'll unpack a little bit. But anger is an energy released in defense of something that you love. I'm going to work that over a little bit for us to really get that. But anger is an energy released. It's in your feels, all right? It's an energy released in defense of something you love. Love. Think about that. When you, when you see a person dying with cancer and you love that person that's dying with cancer, what do you do? You get angry at the cancer that's eating them up. I mean, you get mad about it. You get angry. I hear people all the time, I hate cancer. And, man, they're mad. Of course, you're mad at the cancer, which you should be because... You love that person. Or what about, what about in your children? I love my kids. And so I love my kids so much that I hate, I hate, and I'm angry at the moral cancer of dishonesty or rebellion that I see coming out trying to destroy their soul. And I get mad at that. Why? Because I love my kids. And you could say the same thing. And so Jesus was a person who would get angry. He, he, he got angry. In fact, it gives us a great, Matthew chapter 21 is one of those texts where it's just like, it's, to me it's just like cool, like Jesus being Jesus and we always see him, you know, teaching, doing things. There's this moments where he like, he's in a temple, he comes up to the temple and at the entrance of the temple, they, they have kicked out all the people that are there to, to have church, kicked out all the people that need the, the, the love of God and all this stuff. They shooed them away from the entrance of the temple and the religious 
people have taken over the front of the place and the money changers and they're selling religious items in the name of religion to try to make money for themselves and they're, they're doing all this stuff and it's turned, they turn the house into just a den of lions and, and, and Jesus is not happy about it because first of all, they kicked out the other ones. The ones who were there really there to be ministered to kicked them out and they've taken over and just turned it into, it's just ugly. And so Jesus, Jesus grabs hold of a whip. Now, this is bad as bone. He grabs hold of a whip and pow, comes walking up to that. Can you see him? And the Bible says he's flipping over tables. Like, go, Jesus. And he is like, and they're like, oh, can you imagine how mad the Pharisees were? Can you imagine how mad the religious people were? And he's like, not in this house, not today. I mean, he, he didn't say that, but it's kind of like that. I mean, he's flipping tables and the doves that they're selling and this, they're flying. I mean, I mean, Jesus got angry, but I don't see Jesus going back and repenting, saying, boy, I sure wish I'd have handled that differently. No, the Bible says that Jesus went to the cross without sin. That wasn't a sin what he did. Why is that? Listen closely. It wasn't a sin because he loved so much the people that were shooed away. He was fighting, fighting for those people with his anger. John Christum says this. This is such a powerful statement. He says, it is true that he that is angry without cause sins. It is true that he that is angry without cause sins. But he who is not angry when there is cause only sins. Also sins. In other words, in other words, there's something that you love that you're not angry about. Something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with that. For instance, I'm going to tell you this, and this is just me, me talking, but I'm talking really because we are against murder in this church. Are y'all with me? So that's why, as a as a pastor, forget that. As a Christian, I'm against the murdering of babies. I'm just against it. It's not a political issue to me. I could care less about all that junk. Neither side has stopped the mess. I'm telling you, I am against babies being murdered. Did y'all know that in this year, 50 and across the world, 56 million babies will be killed? 2,000 a day, and the church is sleeping on it. Can I tell you, we love babies people, these are God's kids, and the church should be mad about that. Oh, come on, quit, get off the political thing. I'm telling the church should be mad about that. I'm I'm ticked off. I would like to see how Jesus would respond to that if he was here. I'm ticked off about that today, but I'm not ticked off at people. I'm mad at sin because sin has brought this into our world and I am angry about that, but that is a because I love people. I love people. And so you should be angry when you hear about the rights of others being trampled on because you love them. You should be angry when you hear stories of people being abused by people that they trusted. You should be angry about that. 
in the face of evil, if you aren't, if you're not angry, you're not loving. Jesus got angry sometimes because he cared so much for people. He cared. So be angry, Paul says. But he says, be angry, but do not, do not sin. Now, this is the statement that I'm about to make. The next couple sentences that I would really wish you would take a picture of on your phone because it's really deep and it's really strong and it's really good, all right? Ready? Here we go. Sinful anger. So I've already told you anger, there's good anger, but then there is sinful anger, sinful anger, and it's this. Maybe you haven't ever heard that. Sinful anger comes from loving the wrong things. So I already told you, anger is, 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 a, is an emotion that's in defense of something that you love, right? Now look at this. Sinful anger comes from loving the wrong things or loving the right things out of proportion. And this is the key statement. The root of our sinfulness is disordered loves people that's powerful it's disordered loves and if if what we love is messed up so we're going to love something anger is a is a emotion that's in defense of something that we love but if we love the wrong thing are you with me that's sinful anger so let me give an example let me give an example if if you this is tough this is tough. If you love control, if you are in love with control, when you don't feel control, when it's out of your control, you have anger because you're defending what you love and what you love is control. Isn't that good? So you're ticked off. Anytime something comes out of your control, you're angry. You're mad. But why are you angry? Because you love control. So you have a you have disordered love. It's love in the wrong spot. Or maybe maybe this. Let's look at this. Um, I, I had a I had a minister one time tell me. He said he was he, he said, "Man, I got so mad at my kids." I said, "Bro, what what, what happened? What happened? You got? I mean, everybody gets mad at their kids, but tell me tell me what happened." He said. Well, I've been, I've been trying to, 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 to get my grass to grow, and I've worked really hard, and I got my grass to grow, and my kids, my little kids went out and made a mud puddle and messed up some area of my grass, and I wore them out. I said, really? And in my brain, I'm going, should I, should I not? Should? I had, you know, two things on each shoulder, and I was going, and I went with, let's go get them. And I said this, I said, bro, you trying to raise grass or kids? He said, I needed that. Thank you for that. Trying to raise grass or kids? Disordered love. I fell in love with my grass, but I had anger towards my kids. It's disordered love. Anger is, you're defending something and there's nothing wrong with having pretty grass. But you're, you fell so much, you put so much time and energy in your grass that you sh- came against something that is really precious. Disordered love. Maybe, maybe this is the situation. It's, maybe it's 
Maybe it's this, and this kind of hits all of us, all right? Maybe you're in love with convenience. Convenience. So you're in love with convenience. So, I mean, we all like convenience, right? We all kind of like convenience. But all of a sudden, something comes against our love of convenience that rocks my world, and I am mad at that. So I've got a good little thing going here, and everything's convenient, and my kids come in and mess it up. I've got a moment going here, and my kids come in and mess up my moment. Now, if you have little kids, this happens quite frequently. And so you need constant prayer and grace and help of God. Because, I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these emotions. They're just saying, let's get the love right. So all of a sudden, I love convenience. And when that's messed up, I lash out with anger. And I'm mad and I'm frustrated because I'm in love with convenience and it was messed up. It's messed up. Now, now, now that could go, I'm saying towards kids, that could go in a gazillion different ways. A gazillion different ways. Have you ever had, oh, I better not do this, but I am. You ever had your world rocked and you get livid at God over it because your convenience was messed up? Because I fell in more in love with God. I mean, I fell more in love with my convenience than what I really should be loving. And so I'm, I'm not I'm in here to beat any of us up, but I'm just saying here, let's make sure we don't have disordered loves and our love is in the right spot. Let me lighten up the moment. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? So whenever something makes you mad, you should always ask yourself, what is your anger defending? It's really big, y'all. Anger, because anger is always in defense of something that you love. Is this helping anybody today? All right. Our anger becomes problematic because our loves are out of order, and we and we deal with disordered anger by addressing the disordered loves that fuel those angers. The second thing I want to talk about is Paul's answer to sinful anger. Sinful anger. So this is like, he's going, okay, here's this, but I want to help you deal with it. And so his Paul's going to help us deal with it and gives us an answer, and that's in verse 24, and then verses 31 through 32, it says this. Let all bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, slander be removed from you he's talking to the church be removed from you along with all malice and you're going whoo he talking to me verse 20 32 and be kind this is what you replace that with and be kind and compassionate to one another look at here forgiving one another to someone who's really angry or really hurt, this seems like an impossible command. Like, how do I turn off an emotion? How do I turn? I was, this emotion has been maybe passed down to me through generations. We all have emotions. But how do I turn this emotion off? Here we go. You ready? Paul gives us the answer. Do acts of kindness. Do acts of kindness. Love someone. Be that person that's being rude, mean to you, do an act of kindness toward them. My, uh, my mom, my, and, and, but let me go to the second one, then I'll tell you this. The second thing is be compassionate. Be compassionate. In other words, put yourself in their shoes. My mom uh, kind of taught me this through how she treats waiters and waitresses. We would go, and, and there's time, you ever get one of those waiters and waitresses who just had a bad day? Some of them have a lot of them. 
but sometimes the customer does too, okay? But we walk in, and you don't expect the waiter and waitresses because they're getting paid $2.50 for their job, so you shouldn't pick on them, and you're not even going to leave them a, you're not gonna, if, they're, if they don't do everything just right, you're not even going to leave them a tip. And so, man, I, I sit down, and I've got all these expectations, and they come out, and they're rude. And Mama taught me this. They, they're rude, and so this is what my mama does. If I ever see somebody come out and they're rude to me, and I'm like, oh, goodness, Judy Keating's fixing to, she's fixing to do something. I know it. What does she do? She starts being kind. She said, hey, y'all don't know what she's going on in her life. I don't know what's going on in her life. And she starts being, she said, man, this is going to be your best day. You've, you've got the best table in all the house. We're going we're gonna to tip you better than anybody else. And she starts, boy, I love your smile. I love your outfit. I mean, she starts being kind, compassionate, putting herself in that shoe. And I'm going to tell you, in almost no time, and I see it work every time, that shield, that, that heavy uh, shield that's around them starts coming down, and everybody else may be getting the wrath of God, but our table gets blessed. I'm giving, you, I'm giving you some hints. Paul taught this. He said, be kind. Show acts of kindness and be compassionate. Put yourself in their, their shoes. Love them. Love them. I, uh, my, uh, my grandpa on the Keating side, was we call him Papa Keating, World War II, tough dude, raised tough, different generation, but amazing generation. But they, they were tough. They, their shells were pretty tough. And Papa Keating's was pretty tough. And my dad never really heard him say, I love you until he was later on in life, and we still think it was kind of an accident. We said, we love you, Papa. And everybody saying, love you. He said, I love you too, Brian. And we're like, what? And my dad still hangs on to that, even though, even though that probably was just an accident. It was a tough shell, tough shell. But I watched my dad, man. I watched my dad love my Papa when he's tough and gruff. Because, you know, he wasn't raised the way my dad was. He was raised in a household that was tough. I mean, you're talking about tough. Went through World War II, watched his buddies die, watched, walked down streets where streams of blood coming out from beds from dying men. Bayonet run through his arm, fighting for his country, fighting for his family. And, and, and all of that stuff puts a little edge about you that you're not just super, super soft and touchy-feely sometimes. And my dad understood that about him and was kind to my papa all his years, was compassionate, put himself in his shoes of his, of his, his dad, treated him like a champion. I'm just telling you something. He said that how to fix that is be kind, be compassionate, and then here's the biggie that he gave. He said, he said, you turn off anger with forgiveness. Verse 32, forgiving one another, and this is the key, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Right, if you could write this down, and I should have it on the screen, but I don't. It's not that I am unaware of people's wronging me. It's not that. It's just that I am more of aware of how much God has forgiven me for. It's not that I'm blind to people doing me wrong. It's that I just know how many times that I've needed God to forgive me, and he has, when I have done wrong. And when I pick that up, it gives me mercy and kindness towards others when they make mistakes to me. 
verse 26. He said this, don't let the sun go down on your anger. (laughs) This verse is not talking so much about resolving the issue before you go to bed, although that is incredibly good and every one of us have had to step into that and do that. But it's talking about an attitude that you take into every one of your disagreements that I don't have to carry the burden of settling this issue or, excuse me, settling the score on this issue or getting the person to see my way. I don't always have to make everybody think that I won the argument. And he said, listen, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. At the end of the day, this is what I want to nail home. At the end of the day, this is what I want you to do. I want you to resign I want you to resign as judge over everything that has happened in your universe in that day. I want you to resign that you don't have to be the judge. I don't have to equal the score. I don't have to figure it all out. But at the end of the day, I can stop and say, I don't have to be the judge, but I'm going to hand over all of these issues from my universe today over to the great judge. Isn't that good? I'm going to hand it over to the great judge. He's the one that can settle this for me. He's the one that can be the judge over this matter. He's the one. And the Bible says he fights for his kids. Now, you may not see the injury. I know you're wanting to go the next day and see like a, a flame of fire come upon your enemy. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying, God, I'm not the judge, but I'm going to turn it over to you because you know best and you can take care and help me in this situation and let you be the final judge. The next thing I want to say is how to be angry like Jesus. How to be angry like Jesus. Loving anger is redemptive, not vindictive. Loving anger is is redemptive. It's healing and not vindictive. It is directed towards the problem and not the person. Toward the problem and not the person. That's why just a few minutes ago I said something about the killing of babies. I'm not directing it towards all of these, uh, the women who may have made a choice, the decision that, I'm not directing that. I'm directing it towards the problem. It's a broken down moral society. I'm directing it towards that. I'm trying to save a woman that somewhere down the road, she doesn't have to deal with that. Are you with me? And so we're dealing with the problem. We love people. And so we're going to the pro- we're going to where the hurt is, the biggest situation. And by the way, if that's happening to any of you today, aren't you glad for the love of Jesus and the forgiving power of Jesus? He's an amazing God. Verse 29 says this, let no corrupting, look at this scripture, let no corrupting talk. The word corrupting there is talking about tearing down. So let no tearing down talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Around here we called it, we call it speaking life. And we push heavy in our church staff, speak life, man. I don't care what comes, speak life. Speak life. In our dream team, speak life. Do everything you can with excellence and speak the, I mean, give life to everyone around you. Speak life. Speak life. In the middle of when you walk in your business and there's all kind of junk going on, speak life. Be the child of God. Be the chip off the block. 
you know, you're, you're Christian, you're Christ-like. Step into that environment. I'm not telling you to be perfect, but I'm telling you to step into that environment and be a positive light. Be life in that. Speak life and life more abundantly. He said, don't let the corrupting, don't get caught up in the ways of this world and be corrupting talk constantly come out of there, but give grace to those who hear. Your goal is building up. Jesus had the best illustration. I love this illustration. And all of you have heard this illustration. It's in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 39. And you've, you've heard this since you were little, if, you're, if you've been around Christianity. He, said, he says this. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other one also. You're like, I know I hate that verse. Like that verse, I hate it. But one of the reasons we hate it because we don't completely, maybe haven't had it unpacked for us. And so today I want to unpack it a little bit for you. So what does that mean? Someone is, does that mean someone is physically attacking me and they're trying to kill me and so you just stand there and you take it and get whooped and beat up? No, that's not what it means at all. Oh, so if, if that is what it means, what it, so, 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 so if we look at it in that nature, we'd be like, okay, turn the other cheek. So hit this cheek, and then, and then, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this cheek. Go, go ahead and go and get you a good, good, good hit right there, but now I'm out of cheeks, baby. <laughs> and you're saying, no, you're not completely out of cheeks. Don't go south on me. Okay, so, so now what I want to do, now what I want to do is I, that's the way I'm going to view this scripture. So I'm, hit me here, hit me here, and now it's come, it's, come, it's, come, it's come for dinner. You know, Greg Littlefield was telling me about a friend of his growing up. He, he'd heard this scripture all his life, so he did that. He, he got hit this, and then he turned over and hit them. He said, well, the scripture's done now. He knocked the old boy through the window. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not trying to be a proponent of that. That's just Greg and his messed up friends. <laughs> He's got friends in all low places. You know what I'm saying? But, 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 so what does it mean? The person hitting your cheek, remember this, in this scripture, the person hitting your cheek is not trying to kill you. Think, think with me, so I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna open the scripture. It's not a picture of someone who's trying to kill you. If you go into any kind of martial arts, they don't teach you. Now, here's where you hit them in the cheek. That's not what they do. If they wanna kill somebody, there's places to hit someone and kill them in the attack. But it's not going. Are you with me? So in the Jewish day, what a hit on the cheek meant is the ultimate insult. So when, some, when, when, Jew, when one Jewish person slapped on the face, that meant an insult. That was an insult. And so... What's being spoken here is you receive an insult. Is that good? Now, there's three ways. You have three choices once the insult comes. Three choices. The first thing, Alec, come here just a minute. The first thing that happens to you is, Alec, I want you to do this. I want you to swing, air swing, no, for me. Air swing, don't get serious about this. No frustration in life, nothing. But I want you to, Air swing, air swing, and hit me on the right cheek. Right? I have a choice here. I have a choice here. To turn and insult him back. So he threw an insult to me, 
and he hit me, and I go, and I insult him back. Does that sound like social media? Insult me, wham! Oh, I got this. Boom! Insult back. And we stand there in a fist fight from social media, ever, insulting each other, insulting each other. So the first choice is when I get insulted, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? Am I going to hit back? That's, that's your first choice. Thank you, Alec. The second choice is you offer them back the same cheek. So first choice, I'm going to swing back. The second one, I'm going to stop and go, oh, you hit me here? Go ahead and hit me here again. Right there on that cheek. Now, what I'm saying is that is very, very a, a, a picture of being very passive-aggressive in your anger. So it's, it's the silent treatment. Come on here. You do that? I'm going to quit calling you. I, I ain't going to mess with you. I, you insulted me. I'm not a... I'm going I'm to give you... I'm not going to... And then you take it and take it on that cheek until you finally go, and you lose control. An outburst. Then there's a third choice. Lord, I'm really encouraging y'all to go. What's the third one? The third one is the one Jesus taught. He said this, turn the other cheek. What does that mean? Turn to them the other side of your face. Oh, man, y'all got to get this. Turn to them the others. You were insulted. Turn to them the other side of your face. What he's speaking of here is not a wimpy gospel. It's this. Turn to the other in cheek implies dealing with the wrong. It's dealing with the wrong. It's saying this. You hit me here. Now, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to deal with the wrong that I feel right now because I'm wanting to take your head off. So with that insult, and so what I'm going to do, instead of hitting you back with an insult, instead of letting you just keep hitting me with insults and me starting until I finally blow up, this is what Jesus is saying to do. I want you to turn the other cheek, Would you turn the other cheek, and let's try our best to give a new day to this relationship. I, I, I want you to try to heal the wrong that you're struggling with in your life. I want you to let it be a new day right here. I've got best friends that have done things to me that if I'd have stayed right here, our relationship would be over. But I've had to turn the other cheek and say, there's a new day in our relationship, and there is. Beautiful. It doesn't always happen like that, but still, I'm turning this cheek saying, listen, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to go down to that level. I'm not going to start swinging back with insults. I'm going to turn another cheek. If it's nobody else for myself, I've got to let it be a new day. Are you all seeing that? A new day, a new day. I'm going to give you the best example that I have personally. And I debated on whether to tell you this, but it's, a, it's, it's sensitive to me. But I was just a young man in the ministry, and um, 
I had a minister that was a very vocal minister take some strong shots at me, insulting me. And I still to this day don't know what the deal was with him. Insults, insults. I don't know if he was jealous. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the deal was, but he had it out for me. And I, I felt those jabs. I felt it. And there's times I want to take his head off. Just trying to be honest with you. And then it, it matured through the years, and it's like, it's like it just kept going. It kept getting uglier. So much to the point they would get up in his platform. And then that was before I took the church here, but then after I took the church here, the gentleman would get up in his platform where he pastors and call my name and call this church's name and openly, where is that? And we're like, like what's the, and I'm, I'm hearing these things, I'm like, it's insults. Insults against you and me and until something happened one day. I was, I was driving through the town that he pastors. And I was driving through the town, and I mean, I was just going about my business, and I saw something. And what I saw would destroy this man. And I was like, oh my God. I mean, it would destroy him. And I pulled my phone out, and I took a picture to have proof and evidence. Put the phone in my pocket, and I felt like I was loaded for bear. This guy's been throwing false jabs at me and hurting me and the church for years. But that dude, if he comes after me again... I got the ammo to destroy. He better leave me alone. About two days later, I heard a little whisper from the Lord that said, erase the picture. Now, me and the Lord had a good talk. And I said, but Lord, do you understand what I have here? This is my leverage when he comes at me again. This is my leverage if he ever tries to mess with me. This is my leverage, Lord. I've got power with this. He said, erase the picture. And so after a couple days consulting with the Lord, and him not changing his mind, I got my phone out, went to that picture, and with every bit of my fleshly heart struggle, I hit trash and sent it away for good. And when I felt, when I hit the trash, you really realize it wasn't him for him? It was releasing me. It was fixing me. It was turning the new face to heal what was wrong in me. 
I, I never will, probably will get an apology from there. The gentleman does not know. I've been careful even this story to make sure I protect it. But the gentleman will never know. He'll never know. But I know. And I turned the face, threw away my evidence that would kill him. That, to me, was turning the other cheek. Now, I'm not trying to act like some super spiritual hero. I told you, I was dead honest with you, how tough on it was, how tough on me it was. It was like a, man, but when I let go of that, it was like a rock got out of my stomach because I released that, and I turned my cheek, whether there ever will be or not, I don't know, but I opened myself up to a new time and relationship, not that it will ever be healed, not that it will ever be that, but I brought healing to myself. I turned into a new day. I didn't stay in that day, but I turned into a new day, and the new day, really, to be honest with you, was more for me than it was for him, and I gotta tell you here today, there are people that you are struggling letting go of forgiveness that are in a grave. There are people that you are struggling that you're mad and you're angry and you're taking it out on others and they will never probably, that person will never come back and repent to you. But you have to understand, God is not saying that they will ever come back to you. He's not saying it's gonna all turn out rosy and beautiful. He knows that there's thorns on the bottom of the rose. But listen, let me tell you this. He's saying this, this this is the deal. This is the deal. When you forgive, when you forgive, you're not letting the person off of the hook. You're saying, I'm not going to be the hook. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. And there's people that, that have you in a tizzy and a struggle and it's messing, I'm just being honest with you, it's messing up a part of your life and I'm bold enough as a man of God and preacher of the word of God today to step in here to tell you I know it's reprove and rebuke like we talked about earlier and that's what this message is but I'm not getting on to you, I'm encouraging you that I'm not minimizing your pain, I'm just telling you that there's a way out. There's a way out. There's a way out. There's a way out. There is freedom ahead of you. There is healing ahead of you. There is a way for you to get healing. And I've tried my best to coach you through this message that when you're in the ugly side of your feels and you're gonna get there, you've already been there in life at times, but you're gonna get there again. You're gonna feel that sinful anger approaching you and slapping you and hurting you with insults. And I'm encouraging you in this moment, this moment, go back to the disordered love. Go back to what the love is and reach and check your loves again. Make sure your loves are attached to the right thing. And then I'm also asking you to step over and be kind. Put yourself in their shoes with compassion and and my friends here today, forgive. Forgive. Let God do a work in you. A healing work in you. And I love the statement I mentioned it a few minutes ago. Not to let them off the hook because that's not what forgiveness is, but it's making sure you're not the hook. And it's also not keeping you on the hook in your life. And I love you people here today. And I was open and crazy honest and raw with something that happened to me to tell you how God walked me through that process of turning the other cheek. Is the relationship better? I don't don't have any connection with any of that, but I'll tell you this, it's not probably pretty, I can only imagine, but I have, I, have, I have made sure that in my heart there's a new day in my spirit. 
that no matter what comes from that area, I'm okay. And God loves you enough to make sure you're okay. Amen? Would you stand with me there today and give the Lord a big old shout of praise? Would you just do that? Just give the Lord a shout of love, praise. He loves you today. Cares for you today. Believes in you today. Hallelujah. That's what I want you to do. That's what I want you to do. So thankful that you've come today. And even though maybe this is what a tough message for you, because maybe you found yourself as being the slapper, or maybe you are the one who received the slap. Both ways you need forgiveness, right? This is what I want you to do. If you're a person who lifts their hands, and I am because to me, lifting my hands is one of those acts of submission. You know, a policeman comes up to you and says, put your hands up. What is that? Submission. I'm not going for a gun. I'm not doing anything. My hands are up. I'm, I'm in a place of submission. When we come in the presence of God today and we lift our hands up, we're saying, God, I'm open to you. I'm open. I'm in a place of submission. And as, if you're a hand lifter, I want you to do this. I want you to lift your hands in just a second. And, and when you do, I want you to begin to thank God for what you've already begin, forgiven for, for in your own self. Once you begin to praise God for what he's forgiven you for, would you do that right now? Would you just lift your hands? Would you talk to your God? Would you just praise your God for just a minute of all the things that he has forgiven you for? All the struggles, all the mess-ups, all the slaps, when you've given them that he is saying, you're saying, I, God, I just want to praise you and thank you because I've been that in my life. All of us have at some place. But thank you for forgiving me. The Bible says when we sin, we crucify the Lord afresh. Lord, I've been the accuser. I've put you on the cross. I've had that sin in my life. I've slapped you with the insults. But yet you on the cross, look down. Even when I'm in the middle of my being what I shouldn't be, throwing insults, you look down and said, Father, forgive them for he doesn't know what he's doing. You had compassion on me. Compassion on my friends. Compassion on the church. Compassion on, on the church age, people through that church age. You have loved us. You have forgiven us. Even when we insulted you, and for that, God, I know that I have to pass on what has been so freely given to me. I love you this day. I praise you this day. And I worship this day.